The One Tough Mother Podcast. The One Tough Mother Show is real talk with special guests, including industry leaders, celebrities, and amazing women who've overcome adversities to work their way to the top and are willing to share their real life lessons. Remember, you don't have to be a mother to be one tough mother. It's all about you. Hi, welcome to the One Tough Mother Show. We're super excited today, as we always are, because we always have great guests. I don't know, uh, we do a really good job of getting really awesome guests. How do you do it? Um, I hunt them down, stalk, no. No, actually, they've been contacting me a lot of them, which is of really course. cool. So I think it's, re- I mean, and they're always really, really amazing women, and, and they've got really amazing stories. So I'm always excited to have them on. In the meantime, so how'd your week go? What'd you do? I don't know. Um, one thing that stuck out that's funny is uh, my brother babysat the two little ones on Saturday, like oh, from no. seven to eleven. No, just you know, we went out and just had dinner and whatever. And uh, it's just funny coming back. He just looked at me and he said, "Good luck." Because <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> we have another one coming, and these two are just, especially the little one, my four-year-old. He'll go to sleep, but they just they were just still going. They were still running circles when we got there. Oh. Man, yeah. I mean, um, did they, they didn't tie him up and set him on fire or anything? No, nothing uh, broken. No, they didn't break anything. But uh, it's just funny how he said that to me. He just looked at me and said, "Good luck." Oh, gosh. and I watched football and just uh, you know took it easy a little bit. Yeah, well, you know me, I'm always doing a project, so I spent a lot of my time at Lowe's. I know Lisa used to call me the Lowe's lady, but you know this is this has been my mantra for a long time. If Lowe's sold clothes, I'd never leave the store. I like that. Right? It's got a good hook. It, it should be. It should be Lowe's. They should be attached to a Marshalls and a TJ Maxx. And it rhymes. Yeah. If Lowe's sold clothes, I'd never leave the store. But yeah, I'm always doing something. I'm doing a new project. I got all the Christmas stuff down. And when everything's down and kind of settled, I get bored really quick. So I want to actually, I want to build a, like, I have a portable greenhouse, but I want to build a really cool greenhouse. Ooh. But wow. I, I you know... I get myself involved in this crap, and then I don't really look up the cost of getting involved in this mm. crap. This is going to be a costly one. It costs one. a lot to grow free food, fruits and vegetables. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's definitely going to cost a lot more than I <laughs> thought it was. And the fact is, heating it's going to kill me. So um, when we come back, we have a great, great guest. You're going to love her, and you probably saw her. If you watched the 2008 Beijing Olympics, you definitely, definitely saw her. So we'll be right back. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. Well, I'm really excited about the guest we have on today. Today's guest is someone I watched in all of as she wowed the world in the Beijing Olympics in 2008. Nastia Lukin is a five-time Olympic medalist. She made her mark on the gymnastics world after winning the gold for the U.S. in 2008. She was actually born to do champion gymnasts, and gymnastics was definitely in her blood. But after retiring at the age of 23, Nastia knew she wanted to make a difference in the world. So she went to college. Actually, she graduated from our town, NYU, in 2016, where she studied sports management. She truly has done it all in sports and entertainment. In 2015, she participated in the season 20 of ABC's hit TV show, Dancing with the Stars, alongside partner Derek Huff. And everybody's like, ooh. To give back to the community, Nastia founded the Nastia Lucan Cup an annual gymnastics competition. She visits gyms around the country, inspiring young athletes to pursue and achieve their dreams on and off the mat. And she and her fiance, Matt 
Lombardi have just launched a new app, which is live now called Grander. Grander is an app that helps women athletes connect to their heroes and with inspiring content and giving them inspiration in their everyday world. By connecting and communicating with them, these athletes can learn valuable lessons for the sport and receive content. Nastia is a true testament that when you work hard and believe in yourself, good things will happen. It's with absolute honor that I welcome to the One Tough Mother's show, Nastia Lucan. Hello, Nastia. Thank you so much for being on our show. How are you? How's it going? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. So let's get started. Let's just start from the beginning because I, I mentioned to a lot of friends that and, and a lot of people that you're going to be on the show and they were like, wow, wow, when did she start in gymnastics? Well, both my parents were gymnasts, so my dad competed at the 1980 Olympic Games, won two gold and two silver medals, and my mom was a rhythmic gymnast world champion. So I feel like gymnastics was just kind of in my blood a little bit ever since I was born. Um, and, you know, being the only child, I spent a lot of time in the gym. My dad was still competing and training when I was born, so just kind of being around that. And then I just kind of fell in love with the sport and, and had a huge passion for it. My parents actually didn't really want me to do it. Oh, they didn't? They, oh. Yeah, well, they had done it at, you know, the, the top of their level, and they just knew how hard the sport was, but when they, but they also, you know, obviously loved it, and when they saw how much love and passion I had for it, they didn't want to take that away from me, but they also didn't want to force it upon me. So, right. um, so I just, I just kind of started because I, you know, fell in love with it. And then, um, I never really know like an exact age that I officially started just because I was always in the gym, but I started competing when I was about six. Oh, wow. Nasty, be, be like real honest. Was there ever an age, you know, when kids like, like, eight, 10, 13, was there every age that the grind was just too much? It was just like, I don't want to do this. The grind is too much. Not really. I mean, there were definitely days where it was exhausting and, you know, frustrating sometimes when I'm going through an injury or just like a hard time or obstacle throughout my career. But I don't know. I, I always felt like I, you know, I didn't go to public school, so I didn't have, I guess, a quote-unquote normal childhood. But right. at the same time, I was able to experience things, you know, at 12, 13, 14 years old that most girls my age didn't get a chance to experience. So I don't, I never really had any regrets or, you know, wanted to kind of like be done with gymnastics just to experience those normal things. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't just like any job or any sport or anything. There's definitely hard times, but because, you know, I knew what my goals were, I knew that I wanted to achieve those goals more than just kind of saying, this is too hard, I quit. Right, uh, right. That's that's an awesome point because it, when it gets hard, that's when you find out really if you're made, what you're made of and if you are yeah, going to go further. That is very cool. And as I said in my open, I watched in all at the Beijing Olympics in 2008. And yeah, how old were you then? I was 18. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and gymnasts always look so young to me because <laughs> yeah. they, they, so you looked like you were much younger, but oh my gosh, I watched, like I said, I watched it all. I mean, getting a medal for that was amazing, especially the gold, bringing the gold home. But Nesty, I have a, a, another question. So all the years of training and dedication, hard work, they pay off. But as things happen, you experienced a terrible fall in 2012. 
But you gracefully exited. Everybody said that, and I loved that whole thing. And you went off to college. Was that tough, the transition from full-time athlete, nonstop training to college? Yeah, I think it was. Well, I think with anybody in any time in their life, that that transitional phase is extremely difficult, whether you're going from high school to college or when you graduate college, you're kind of going into the real world, whatever it is, you know, that those transitional moments in your life. Um, it's always tough, and the same for me, kind of finishing gymnastics and then moving on and going to college, but I think it was really the best thing for me to do because I needed to kind of figure out who I was as a person without gymnastics in my life, um, or at least, you know, seven hours a day, six days a week. It'll forever be part of who I am, but it really kind of forced me to be able to move on and figure out what I wanted to do next. And yes, it was a hard transition, but I feel like in the end, it was something that, you know, truly helped me be able to kind of move on to that next chapter in my life. Right. Well, you locked down and you went to NYU and Mm -hmm. now just hearing that you were, you were not in public school. I mean, was it a huge, like overwhelming transition to have all these people around nonstop because you know what college life is like? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I went to a private school, and so we didn't have any more than seven people um, in our class. And so, yeah, it was between that and then also taking, you know, six or seven years off of school completely and my first semester going into calculus and not remembering anything that (laughs) I learned in that class seven years ago. So it was, yeah, there were definitely moments where it was challenging, but I think as athletes, um, you know, we, we always enjoy and, and really like that challenge in our lives. And so without gymnastics in my life and without that challenge that it kind of brought me every day, this was kind of that new challenge that I um, had in my life. Oh, you know what? You're right, because I've been around athletes for 20 some years. I mean, in my um, marketing career, I worked with professional athletes for most of my, my life. And when they don't compete anymore, they find something else to compete in. If they're not competing in their sport, then they're competing in school or they're competing. Mm-hmm. It, it's a it's a mindset that they're constantly competing. And a lot of times it's competing with themselves. Can they get better and better? So I completely, yeah, I understand that. Yeah. And But going, you know, you went to this big school and I loved, and I, I spent some time reading about this. I love that you talk freely and, and, and you're very honest and open about the body changes that you experience. Mm-hmm. Because that is such a huge, huge issue in this country that, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm it's constant and we get lots of letters about it and we have lots of people talking about it. Let's talk about that a little bit. You go from training, what, seven hours a day, six days a week, and then you go to college. And normally people pack on the freshman 40. So what, how did it happen? What happened with you then? We were used to training seven hours a day, six days a week. And so, you know, with any change, when you kind of stop doing that, basically cold turkey and, you know, I wasn't training at all at that point. I think that was definitely a hard transition. And, yeah, I mean, my body went through, just as my mind kind of went through this transitional phase, so did my body. And so I think it was also really challenging because at the Olympics, we were all competing in the very peak and and prime shape of our entire lives when we were training basically our whole career for that moment. And that's kind of what people remembered us for was, you know, however old we were between 16 and 18, we were, um, you know, these tiny things in leotards. And then 
and go through these normal body changes that everybody goes through, but we were doing in the public eye. And so I think emotionally, mentally, physically, all of the above, it was kind of a challenging time for us all to have to go through that at at such a public way. Um, Whereas, you know, most people go through this, um, you know, earlier in their lives, and then, you know, you can... Um, you don't have to, I guess, be in the public eye. So I think just being in the public eye made it, you know, a lot more difficult. Yeah, that's a tough one. And let's talk about the fabulous things you're doing now. You're engaged, which congratulations. That's amazing. (laughs) And your ring is amazing, by the way. I saw it online. Mm -hmm. Loved it. You recently purchased a home and you're dedicated to mentoring aspiring gymnasts. You and your fiance just launched an inspirational app for gymnasts called, what is it called again? called Grander. Grander. And tell us a little bit about what Grander does. I found played hockey and, you know, with my background in gymnastics, we just always um, realized the importance of having a mentor in our life. And, um, and I think it was just really something that we loved being able to have those people in our lives. And so then we launched this app where it's um, kind of a mentoring program and um, you're able to connect to these young aspiring gymnasts are able to connect to some of their mentors and people that they look up to and are able to learn from. And so it's been really cool to kind of create this community and um, just just really be able to provide educational content and inspirational content um, through an app. And now is the app live? It's ready to go now? Yep. Oh, that's really cool. And one last question. I have one important question that one of my friends said, you have to ask this because her daughter's a huge gymnast and she loves it so much. And she's, I think she's seven at this point. She said, as a mother, can you ask her, as a mother, when do I know I'm pushing my kid too hard? When is it, when is it, I'm pushing too hard? Well, I think it has to come from them, you know, and I think the most important thing is to have a passion for what you're doing, whether it's gymnastics, soccer, swimming, dance, um, whatever that passion is. And when you start seeing your child not love it anymore and not have that passion, um, then I think that, you know, that's kind of your indication. Yes, it's important to support them throughout their entire careers, and I was very lucky that my parents did that, but it also had to come from me because when you're training seven hours a day, six days a week, nobody can force you to want to uh, train that much and, and that hard. Right. And Nasty, I have a quick question for you, too. Uh, my dad was a gymnast in college, and he, you know, he's in his 70s. And he's been hurting ever since then. I was curious, how, how, is the, how is the health of your parents who competed at such a high level and, and you? Are there, are there injuries that you just kind of get used to, that you live with, that you've had from, from all that training? honest knock on wood I've, I've um you know i had one surgery and a few things throughout my career where um you know it was definitely not an easy injury to get through but i can kind of live my life now and um wake up every day without aches and pains yeah i mean i think you know for me it was all about um the coaching and you know my dad who was my coach throughout my entire career was just super smart with injuries and every time something bothered me you know we always got it checked out and you know we're super um it was it was all about safety first and you know you my dad always said that you know he wanted me to have a normal life and one day when I have kids to be able to play with them and you know not be right. not be hurting so right. I was very lucky that's really that's great, great. Yeah. so I, I Nastia thank you so much for being on the One Tough Mother show please real quickly tell everyone where they can find you Twitter tell them all your where we can find you at okay having me um you can find me on social 
Twitter and Instagram at Noxie Lucan, and my Facebook is at Noxie Lucan Elite. And your app again, please? Um, it is Grander, and you can download it in the App Store. That's excellent, Grander. And best of luck to you and your fiance. Um, it's Matthew Lombardi, correct? Yep. And best of luck, and I hope everything's wonderful, and best of luck with your new app. Thank you Thank again you for so being much. on. Thanks for having me. Take care. Bye-bye. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. And we're back and guess what? We've got headlines and headaches with tough brother Seth. Yeah. Okay. Hello. <laughs> Good Seth. Hello. Wow. Hello. Um, wow. We're just kicking this off hard uh this freaked out uh my fiance and myself how do you react when you see these words cross uh come across your phone computer or television screen ballistic missile threat inbound to hawaii seek immediate shelter this is not a drill um many social media users posted footage of emergency alert being broadcast on local television u.s pacific command has detected a missile threat to hawaii a missile may impact on land or sea within minutes this is not a drill television broadcast stated if you are indoors stay indoors if you are outdoors seek immediate shelter in a building remain indoors well away from windows if you are driving pull safely to the side of the road and seek shelter in a building or lay on the floor we will announce when the threat is ended this is not a drill take immediate action measures and the broadcast concluded um crazy scary we talked about what we would do insane if that was the case i believe uh the school's a bomb shelter. I think there's, like, we started like actually looking into it a little bit. Uh, roughly 15 min- minutes later, the U.S. Pacific Command issued a statement clarifying there was no ballistic missile threat to Hawaii. It wasn't until 38 minutes after the first warning that Hawaii's EMA alerted mobile devices across the islands that the alert was a false alarm. Okay, here's a real twist to this. I lived in Hawaii, in Oahu, above Pro- above Pearl Harbor in Aliamanu Crater with my kids. We were military at the time, and Aliamanu Crater was all services, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and it was right above Pearl Harbor. If I just saw this come on the television while I was living there, I have no clue what I would have done because I was young. Well, I think it was like 23 or 24, but that doesn't even matter. Like, seek shelter. Like, I would have been like, is this considered shelter? Is this house considered shelter? I mean, or, you know, is this military installation? Shelter? I don't know what I would have done. Crazy. And- Scary. Um, and un- unfortunately, you know, if you're paying attention to what's going on in the world, very realistic. Very realistic. That's why everybody freaked out. And the whole the whole gig about it was, and I feel, you know, all right, things happen, but the emergency officials confirmed that the alert was an inbound missile was a mistake. They said that an employee who pushed the wrong button feels awful about the panic induced incident he pushed the wrong button what was the other button he's purchasing something on amazon i mean right right first of all isn't it under like a case a glass case that like two people have to have the key to to lift it's a cover-up yeah someone's just protecting somebody it's i mean accidents happen but this is inexcusable but you're causing a panic uh, a statewide, know. like, yeah. bam. And the first thing I think of, too, when I hear, because I, I lived there, like I said, during Hurricane Iwa, actually. First thing I heard of, I thought of was, what if the missile hits the ocean and it causes a big, huge, you know, tsunami. tsunami. Yeah, tidal wave, yeah. Yeah, so that, that was very terrifying. I'm sorry for those people. I have no clue what I would have done, and now I'm going to start seeking shelter somewhere. Uh, now we go on to more headaches. Um, 
Our heart goes out to those in California who lost loved ones in the deadly mudslides. I'm sure you've seen some footage. There was one that footage of that car going down the road. Dude, how bad is that? It's just, you see that and it's just, it's devastation and it's just horrible. And uh, They come off a it, fire and they... It hurts to watch. And, um, you know, it's, I was telling uh, Melissa about, I think it was an old Superman movie when Lex Luthor was going to buy all this beachfront property in Arizona because they're going to make California fall into the ocean. And just and they had a new map with California off of it. It just reminds California is a beautiful place. I live there and it's, it's great, but it's also a little scary. A lot of things happen there. A lot of natural. I guess the way it's not sitting on the fault line or whatever it is, you know, it's a lot of natural disasters. And and it's conceivable that California can you know it can cease to exist one day. I mean, when I'm, you read about, I mean, I've read about that because I've spent a lot of time in California over the last twenty five years, and uh, it's on the the Anis. Wait. Um, Andreas Fault Line, Andreas right? Andreas Fault, right. Yeah. So when you read about the fault line and how it actually works and what goes on about it, like, it's really freaky. I'm not kidding. I, I actually, a very, very dear friend of mine, a New Yorker, I mean, he he worked in New York forever. He moved out there to run one of the networks out in LA and I, I was like, don't do it, dude. Like, don't move out to California. But um, yeah, it's it's, and they go from fires to mudslides. Earthquakes. Earthquakes. But I question, like, they were warning about the mudslides. Did did these people get enough warning? I really question that. I heard mudslides don't give as much a warning as other things, though, right? I, I haven't looked know. a lot into it, but it's just, nevertheless, twenty people at least died. It's really scary. It's just such a you see the you see the video and coverage. It's scary. It's a mess. It's just. These people, not only the people that survived, they lost everything. I mean, yeah, it covered 30 square miles. That's a lot. That's 65, they said 65 single family homes were demolished and like 450 were in, were damaged. Like that's a lot. That's a ton. And, yeah. and you're talking like, I have to watch more video. I want to know, is it like, does the mud come down really fast? And uh, duh. Uh, The footage I saw, it's fast and furious. It's just like a... It's, it's like a, lava probably, right? Yeah, it's like a... It's like a um, the water, it's like ocean. It's just like you know, it's, it moves that quick. It's, it's well, yeah. This guy yeah. said he was clinging onto a tree, and his wife was swept away. I mean, that's oh. awful. Very, I, very sorry. About I hope, that. Uh, yeah, hope we never have to experience anything like that. It's just, it's, it's very scary and just terrible. And our hearts go out to them. And God, it seems like something happens every week, right? Right. Since we started this show, it's always something. I know. Uh, let's move on to something a little less uh, terrifying. Um, Amazon's taking over the world. I yes. Knew that. yes. Yeah, actually. You know, they own Whole Foods. Amazon mm-hmm. owns Amazon, which is big enough on its own. And now they're eyeing Target. Amazon's quest for world domination will take a dramatic turn this year, according to one influential tech in- investor who will be remain nameless. Uh, he predicted that the e-current commerce giant will buy out U.S. low-cost retailer Target. Uh, you know, blown it's, away, but makes it, sense. But it's also like this a reverse... Um, uh, consumerism going on. It's like, you know, there's not a lot of brick and mortar anymore, but some of the more successful or well-known brands like a Target, Amazon sees value there. Yeah. They're so successful online that they're able to transfer that over to a Whole Foods, to a Target, and make it successful, make it work, because it's all going to be connected. Right. So it's it's interesting. You so, know what? It goes back to the old real estate um, cry, location, location, location. Like, there's Target's Maybe somebody doesn't, they want it today. 
and they want it. They order on Amazon. They go Target, pick it up. I don't know. You want to cover all their bases, right? Yeah. Whatever you want, they got you covered. It is world domination, actually. It's crazy. I've actually heard that they're getting into cars, automotive, so they're going to be selling automobiles, used, I think, in the beginning. And I know for a fact that they've been um, investigating banking, having their own banking. Why not? Right. It, it, it makes it it's but, you know, Back in the day, not that long ago, we thought like Google... Apple, like the big yeah. companies online, yeah. and Amazon's going to leave them on the dust, it seems like. Yeah, I made fun of Amazon, and I felt bad. Like, a friend of mine and I were in the office, and we were like 2,000. He's like, yeah, he's really biting the big one. <laughs> we ought to invest, and we were joking about it. Yeah, you should have. Oh, my God. Boy, that really stabbed me uh, right in the back. Oh, you're making me sick, because I'm thinking about all the stocks I missed out on. Ugh. Thank you. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's all speculation, but, you know, would anything they do surprise us? No. no. And you're talking about, you know, they want to, they're in 72 markets, I think. So it's, a, yeah, it is what it is, what it is. I, I, I'm assuming that they're going to do it. I'm assuming that it's going to be announced any day. Whenever I yeah. see Amazon's talking to someone. It has to make sense for them. Yeah. So. Amazon's buying the One Tough Mother Show. Yes. Amazon will now be putting the One Tough Mother Show live put, on Amazon TV. Put it out there. Put it out there. I'm just saying. I just like saying. It. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> uh, maybe they just open more Whole Foods. I don't know. You know, or they expand what Whole Foods is. Who knows? Yeah. But they sell so much stuff on there that it just, it makes sense. We'll see. To stay tuned. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's something exciting. Uh, you know, recently started a new year, 2018. Uh, new year, new you. Oh, God, I'm going to throw up. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, Cosmopolitan posted 12 foods that will speed up your metabolism. Hot peppers is love one. Love them, love them, love them. Yeah, uh, there's good reason for that some like it hot. Uh, Capsaicin. It, yeah, I can't say that. The compound that gives peppers their fiery kick helps boost metabolism by raising your body temperature. That makes sense. It does. Yes. Celery. This ha- I had no clue of this one. Celery may not seem like it has any superpowers. It's like the Clark Kent of vegetables. <laughs> Uh, but its blandness can be beneficial. It doesn't have much taste on its own, but chomping on the super low-calorie food stimulates digestion, keeps your body hydrated, and has plenty of fat-burning fiber, all of which amp up your metabolism. Wow. Go celery. Hooray. I think celery has taste. Yeah, mm. celery has some taste. And yeah. I, you know what I do? I put a real, I, I eat really, really hot sauce. Like, I love hot salsa. Hot sauce. Hot. So I dip celery in it. So I'm double banging it, dude. I'm losing double weight as I'm eating. I've been impressing Melissa. Uh, you know, obviously they're not a sponsor, but I've been, uh, Hello Fresh. Yes. I've been. Uh, I gave you that salad dressing recipe. Yes. Did you do it? Yes. It's good, right? It was good. Yeah. It was actually very good. I'll tell everybody. So it's lime, honey, and olive oil. Right. So we'll squeeze the juice of one lime, put a, uh, like a teaspoon of uh, honey, a teaspoon of olive oil, mix it up, or more if you need it. And it's like the best salad And you know dressing. me, I hate salad dressing. And that's like I eat the best, my salad raw. And, but it's healthy, so. right? It was good. It was good. very good. Yeah, okay. I don't know why I just said that. I just said, hello, fresh me. I think all these vegetables I've been uh, preparing. And obviously, the, the big flavor thing is everything has onions and garlic in it. Yes. You want to make something taste good, it's got to have onions and yes. garlic. Or forget about it. And seasoning. Okay, the number three is uh, tuna. Tuna, along with salmon, mackerel, herring, and sardines, contains omega-3 fatty acids, which stimulate the production of hormones that regulate metabolism and appetite. And we should all be taking fish oil as well. Uh, fish oil is good for everybody. Yeah, you know what? I don't eat enough tuna, and I used to. I'm going to go back to that. I'm going to we'll buy take, some tuna. Or get some fish oil. You can take two as a supplement. Yeah, but you have to be really, really watch it and know what you're taking. Like, do some. A lot of the fish oil is very, very fake. And yeah. I came from that industry, so I know. So definitely. I'm not. I'm not arguing with you, but you know, it's 
you get what you pay for. Cheap is expensive. You don't buy the cheapest fish oil. I love when you, you know. say that. Cheap is expensive. You're right. It's true. You're right. I mean, you, you, you're going to buy the cheap, crappy one, then you're not going to fish oil. You're probably eating like shoe oil. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's on you. Don't be cheap. Do your research. Okay, water. Water's good. Yeah. And you know what's good about water? And, uh, you know, say the eight glasses, whatever else. You know, whatever works for you. But the fact is, the more water you drink, you're filling up on water. And that's less calories you're consuming otherwise. So, And I didn't know, you know it spiked your metabolism. They said it can spike your metabolism up to 30%. Our bodies were, is how much water? It's, it's a lot. 60. Yeah. 60%. More on children. Yeah. Children's bodies are, have more water. So definitely if your kids, you have kids running around, make sure they drink a lot of water. I try. They don't listen. No. No. And if you're a baseball player, you're chomping on some sunflower seeds. I love them. They're rich in uh, polyunsaturated fats, which studies show could help melt belly fat. That's why there's no fat baseball players. Right. And they're also professional athletes getting paid to stay in shape. Okay. The how isn't totally clear, but it could be because uh, the mitochondria, the energy factories of cells, need polyunsaturated fats to help burn flaps. So you're actually feeding your muscles by eating, eating the sunflower seeds. The mitochondria is what works in, in, inside your muscles. Right. Uh, matcha, that's like a tea. It's just um, a fancy word for green tea. Yeah. Fancy word for green tea. Not only packs a bit of caffeine. <laughs> It also speeds up your heart rate and thus your metabolism, but also has non-ephedrine stimulating EGCG, a nutrient that helps boost your metabolic rate. Yeah. I drink green tea all the time. I love it. Oh, that's great. I love it. It's no wonder you're glowing. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, you got it. This is my favorite one. The next one. I know there's two favorite ones, but the next one. Melissa's too. She keeps asking me, when we get some papaya, papaya. Love papaya. That's number seven. Keep the taste of the Caribbean alive in your kitchen. Mon. Um, Mon. This tropical fruit contains papain. Papain. How do you say that? Papain. An enzyme that's uh, thought to improve digestion, a key to boosting metabolism, torching fat. The next one's almond butter. Almond butter is really tasty. It's a nutty spread, low glycemic, meaning it helps you keep your blood sugar level stable. That's crucial when your blood sugar spikes and crashes on the regular because it slows down your metabolism. Mm, I love. I haven't had almond butter almond in a long time. Good. I'm going to buy that. Yeah, it's good. It cuts off the jelly. You know? Right. Yeah. Oats. Actually, Melissa's been drinking oat milk. Oh, I've recently. never seen that. Yeah. Uh, oats are loaded with beta-glucan, a special type of fiber that helps slow the digestion of carbohydrates, which releases sugars at a slower rate. This triggers certain metabolic responses that decrease appetite. Mm, I do get to do the next one, which is grapefruit. Mm. I am a grapefruit fanatic. I love grapefruit. The pink grapefruit? Any grapefruit. Any grapefruit I, I mean, I love the big, great big pink ones or the ruby ones, the great big ones, but they're expensive. I have a question for you. Okay. Have you ever had a pomelo? You know no, you know what? I saw that and I didn't buy it because I it's didn't know what it was. Actually, I did some research on this and not for the show. I did this on my own way back when. The pomelo is actually the f- parent of the grapefruit. It's the original. Oh. Yeah, it's interesting. So it's like a big, if you ever see it in your store. It's stores, big. It's huge. Yeah. And it's good. It tastes good. It's the grapefruit. Um, is it like grapefruit little, inside when you open it? Yeah. It's okay. got a lot of um, skin, like flat, the, not the flesh. What's the white part? They like have, the membrane type Yeah, stuff. it has a lot yeah. of that, but so it's not as much fruit as you would think by looking at it, but it still tastes good. But if you look it up, like the grapefruit kind of came from the pomelo. Oh, so, I'm going to, how do you eat your grapefruit? You don't put sugar on it, right? No. Me either. That so defeats of, the surface. If you put sugar on fruit, something's wrong with you. Yeah, you have a problem. I mean, we're all addicted to sugar in some way or another, but you have a real problem. Right. It does, yeah. definitely defeats the purpose. And the other thing is with grapefruit, make sure you know this, and I did I didn't know this until I had a friend and I was always eating grapefruit and they're like, I can't eat grapefruit because it interacts with a lot of medication, Ew. like certain medications, like heart medications and stuff. Oh. Make sure you find that out. Yikes. That's scary. Didn't yeah. know that. Uh, yogurt is number 11. Uh, people up their yogurt intake, eating at least one serving a day, dropped almost a pound every four years. 
Yeah. Eight pound, right? Yeah. Okay. According to a study published in the Journal of American Metal Association that followed near 100, nearly 120,000 adults for two decades. I'd say that's pretty accurate. I though. can't eat yogurt. Those who skipped a serving a day gained weight. Uh, yogurt has probi- is filled with probiotics. I can't eat it. And um, it, t- it tastes like sour milk. My daughter did this. If you ate something 17 times on the 17th one, you would definitely like it. You would acquire a taste for it. So she bought me, made me buy like, I bought 17 different yogurts. I did that with beets. Horrible. <laughs> can't eat it. Just don't like yogurt. Hate it. Okay. Tastes like sour milk. All right. I hear you. And well, here's the big one. This is, I, uh, get, I get to do this one. Oh my God! I was super excited about this when I heard it. And again, we want—I'm going to tell you mm-hmm. in case you forget because we've been blabbing. This is twelve foods that speed up your metabolism. Here we go. Final food: red wine. Yeah. Oh, yep. The health benefits of alcohol have long been debated, but mm-hmm. research shows that red wine contains resveratrol, which may mm-hmm. help with better metabolism and sugar. And so. There we go. Oh, wait. I got news for you. What? You can actually take Reservatrol without drinking wine. Oh, I know. Everything's a, a compact <laughs> pill for you. Forget about uh, it. Well, anyway, that's headlines and headaches for today. And, and I, I'm going to go have a glass of red wine so I can speed up my metabolism. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to work right into our tough brother mail. Are you serious? Yeah. Don't you want to do the mail? Yes. Mail's in. I love the mail. Okay. I got the first letter. I was pulling out of the, the mailbox. <laughs> okay, number one, email number one, dear OTM. I invited my sister and her husband over for dinner, and when they arrived, they had their small family dog, Jack, with them. Jack is a good dog, and we really like him. He loves to play with my dog. However, when my sister, what my sister and brother-in-law do with him after dinner grosses me out. They put their plates, my family plates, on on the floor when they're done eating to allow Jack to lick the plates clean. Oh, gross. Gross. What you Gross. do, in your, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. What you do in your own home is is okay. Yeah. You don't do that in someone else's no. house. I don't care if it's your whoever. Mother, we have a small dog and I never let my dog lick my family dishes. Never. It really freaks me out. I follow you on Instagram and I know that you have three small oh. dogs. Hey, how about that? You call the frogs. Do you let yeah. them lick your family dishes clean after a meal? My sister said I am being nuts. A dog's mouth is cleaner than a human's. Do you think this is okay? No. And I do have the frogs. I do have my three small dogs and I would never allow the frogs to lick the dishes clean because the truth of the matter is a dog's mouth is not cleaner than a human's. They eat poop. Right. Look it up. Dogs have different <laughs> strains of bacteria in their mouth. Somebody Ugh. said, well, it's a one time somebody said to me, oh, you're such a freak. Their mouth is aseptic. No, it's not. No, it's not. People just make stuff up, don't they? They just say things like they're facts. And and I love my dogs like my kids. I mean, I love my frogs, but they're not licking my dinner dishes. No. Uh-uh. And, and you're it, right. What you do in your house is your biz. You know, I would freak if somebody rude. came to my house and put my dishes on the floor for my frogs yeah. to lick on. I might on. punch them in the face. You know, I'm big on the yeah, punching Yeah, you're big the on face. punching in the I don't face. really hit anybody. I haven't had a fight he since college. just says that, yeah. yeah. Um, one other thing about that, too. I think... It, Human food's not really good for animals. No, no, no. I don't feed the frogs human food. Yeah. Unless it's like bland something, chicken right, or rice. Right, that something I really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on, can we, Kevin? Shall we? Shall yes, we? We shall. Email number two. Dear One Tough Mother, I am a 31 year old professional woman. I'm well educated and have a very successful career. Well, good for you. I am currently dating a great guy my age who has a job doing manual labor. He works in a warehouse, driving a forklift. He only has a high school diploma, which is all he ever wanted. He loves sports, he has a great sense of humor, but not too ambitious. We never fight or even argue, and he treats me like a queen, but there are a few problems. 
He is somewhat immature. He has no interest in progressing at work or trying to get another job. Likes hanging out with his buds and still digs the bar scene. Okay. I am so confused because he is so kind, truly loves children, and would be a loyal husband and father. My biological clock is ticking, and I would like a family. I, I'm certain I love him, but my question is, can a relationship between us last? He wants to get married, but I am concerned that perhaps he is too simple and I might grow bored. I've never been treated this well ever, but I am worried. What should I do? Signed, scared. Okay, scared, no. No, do not marry the guy. Wow. No, I'm sorry. Mm. We're going to probably disagree on this one. I'm not telling necessarily. You, um, no. If you have this, if you have to think through this, if you have to, like, you've, like, actually written this down and thought through all of this, this is the line that bothers me, and I hate to say it, but this line, and I know you didn't mean it meanly because you said you love this guy, but he's too simple. Mm. He's too simple. That bothers me because... I, I'm afraid that once you get married, say there's a little noise. And it's Seth, right? The, the things pop up that you thought were cute. An old woman one time oh, gave me this me. greatest yeah. advice. She said to me, the thing you think is endearing now will be the thing that bugs you the most later. There's no getting around that, though. Um, this leaves this is like open to interpretation because here's the other thing. There's always going to be something. Um, she loves him. Okay. And with the, pro- the biggest problem in relationships is communication. You're not communicating. You're just saying how he feels. But there's always, if you love each other, there's always a compromise to be made. There's always, you know, if you love each other, you'll get out of your comfort zone for each other and do things. Like, it doesn't sound like she's had that conversation to give him a chance. It's hard to find love and it's hard to find someone who treats you well. Okay? So you can't just dismiss that, Karen. It's like, that is something that's very hard to find. Yeah, but Seth, she says he's too simple. That's said, in her she head. Said, she said, I am concerned perhaps it's too simple. That's the problem. She is in her head and she's thinking too much. Right. And people do that. They get scared. They get nervous. And they look for a way out. Right. Instead of like, you love the guy. He loves you. He treats you like a queen. You have to communicate with him and, and communicate your needs, your worries, your fears, and your doubts. She's not communicating that. Th- she's asking us. And that's what I would say is you need to talk to him. And m- maybe you don't know him as well as you think you do. Or maybe he's willing to compromise. Maybe he's willing to try to do something else. Maybe there's uh, interests that he have he has that you don't know about. Right, So, right. you know, when someone, a coworker once came to me and she, uh, she was d- seeing somebody. And she said, well, well, he's Orthodox Jewish. And I don't know if I want to do that, this and that. And I said to her the same thing. I said, there's always going to be something. There's always, if you love the guy... You got to roll with it. You got to run with it. They're married now. They have a child. I mean, you got, love is, you can't dismiss love that easily. Maybe some people find love easily. It didn't come easy to me. So you can't dismiss it. And it means, it carries a lot of weight in this letter. So I think she hasn't, she hasn't done everything she can to, to, to really vet this properly before she's giving up on him. Okay. She's, everything's in her head and she's like just guessing on everything or he does a forklift. He does this. He does this. Guys will do what they do. Until someone tells him not to, or someone talks to them, <laughs> right. he's gonna keep going with his friends. He can keep doing that stuff, and he's not gonna think there's a problem with it because you've never had a problem with it. You've never said anything. I'm guessing because mm-hmm. she's writing us. She hasn't said that she's had conversations with him or anything. So you love him. He loves you. He treats you well. That's a great. You're way ahead. You're yeah, so yeah, far yeah, ahead yeah. of the game. Now you have to like. If you have concerns, you need to communicate that with him. I agree, because she's three quarters of the way there. She said he's going to be a really loyal and fabulous father and husband. The the thing, it really just, it was blaring at me that you wrote, he's too simple. She said perhaps he is, but maybe she's not giving the benefit of the doubt. Right, right. Maybe she she can inspire him to, to try other things and do other things, like 
you're there to be partners and best friends. Like help each other out. You know, see if you could pull you could pull out of him. If you if you give that real effort and you still like kind of like eh, then maybe you're like you know maybe he's not the guy you thought he was, or maybe that's maybe you were right. But you have not put that effort in. I agree, Seth. Okay, wow, lucky for you, Melissa. Seth's pretty on the ball with that one. And remember, if you have a a problem, a question. Or anything you want to know about. I mean, we go from, we shoot the gamut here. We shot dogs licking plates too. <laughs> Should I marry this guy? But um, please write us at, you can go right on our website. It's onetoughmother.com. Again, one tough, M-U-T-H-E-R dot com. And we'll be happy to read your letter and answer it. And again, it's good old fashioned motherly advice. I mean, we're not pros, obviously, but. Well, and brotherly advice. And, and, and brotherly. And on Twitter as well, one tough mother with a U, Facebook. Yep. Yes. We're there. LinkedIn. Everywhere. Oh, we got one more email. Do it. Me? Okay. Dear One Tough Mother, our 17-year-old daughter is going steady with a very popular 17-year-old boy in in her senior class. During her junior year, she was mixed up and ran with the wrong crowd. She made some bad decisions about smoking and drinking and even sex. She was very honest and told her current boyfriend about all her mistakes. Telling him was a huge mistake because now they have a disagreement. He becomes verbally abusive. She says he throws her past in her face and makes her feel like dirt. She's a good girl that went through a tough time last year, but this year she has really buckled down in school. She quit smoking and drinking, but there's nothing she can do to get her virginity back. Lately, every time she is out with her boyfriend, she comes home and cries. She says he makes her feel worthless, cheap, and dirty. She says that since uh, she confided in him, he brings it up all the time. What do I do? She says she's in love with him and won't stop seeing him. She says he's one of the hottest boys in school who's from a very well-to-do family and has his pick of girlfriends. He, however, is only the second boy she's ever gone out with. Her first boyfriend broke her heart and, and left her after he promised her he loved her. It took her a year for her to get over that. She begs me not to tell her dad anything or she won't talk to me anymore. She will not allow me to talk to her boyfriend about any of this either. I'm so worried about her. I am sick. Please help. I'm sick. Reading that letter, I was sick. It's because a t- tough situation yeah. to be in. The, I feel really sick for the mother and the and the girl, but I feel sicker for the mother because you're like, okay, well, let me talk. You want to help. Help, but you're helpless. Yeah, you're helpless, and you're watching this girl go through hell. I, I think um, she needs to focus on her daughter and have open conversations with her and, and really reassure her. What, what parents need to do with their kids is really reassure them that they're special, that they're loved, right. and that they don't they don't need to... to to put up with that kind of behavior. And I think if she really loves this guy, you know, he's, he's 17, immature. I, I was a jerk for a long time. Um, I don't know if I was that big a jerk, but I'm sure some people might disagree. Um, I, I think she should give her daughter advice. Say, you need to tell your boyfriend, like, look, I love you. I love spending time with you. But when you attack me, you really hurt me. Right. And, like, just, and say it not, you know, don't say it confrontationally. Don't put someone on defensive. Just say, you really hurt me. You know, if, if you do love me, you want to be with me, let's, let's try to keep it, positive you know no one ever when we're young we don't have these kind of conversations right so that's the that's the parenting the, the advice you can give as someone with experience life experience as a parent you can give that advice to this girl like you know you you're loved you're beautiful you deserve to be treated well and maybe this boy he has it takes out his frustrations on you I, you love him and i respect that so i'm not going to tell you to break up with him or anything else but you need to communicate to him very nicely you have to say when you guys are getting along you should have this conversation look i love you and i love being with you but when you get mad you, you get really nasty, you really hurt my feelings, you know, and I'm just wondering if we can do, you know, if we can get past that, if, if we can maybe, you know, handle our disagreements in a different way. 
Right, you know? I agree. This is a dark, dark web. I mean, it's a, it's a web because you kind of get stuck here and there along the way. What happens is she says that, you know, he's the hottest kid in school. He can have his choice of any girl and that he comes from a really well-to-do family. Well, he's lucky to have you. That's right. what mom has to let That's her know. That's what she's hearing in her head. Right. She's, her friends are like, oh my God, whatever Billy's your name best. is. He's so oh, hot, he's man. awesome. You're so lucky to have him. And so they don't know what you're going through. Yeah. He's lucky to have you, as Seth said. And as the mother... I, you you just want what's best and you just really I wanted to walk whack the guy one but I that's mean, what I'm saying you can't get too negative and you can't like attack the guy again he's a young kid too so he's just he's got his frustrations he's probably the rich kid who got everything he wanted you know it, there's so much behavioral uh, influence from life in these, in these kids that I like to cut kids a break even this guy even though he's being a jerk you know maybe sometimes you know you have to reason with someone maybe they can hear you you know if she tells them nicely like Look, I love you. I just, I, you know, I need you to just ease up a little bit. I think you just, you really hurt my feelings and you make me feel really, really bad. And I, I don't think you mean to do that. So, you know, can we just be a little more, you know, cognizant and just more conscious of the, of the things you say to me? Yeah. And actually, um, you're both immature still. I mean, you're both young and. But you can't tell, you can't say that. Oh, no, you no, no. I'm say just it's a 17 year old. That's love and they're, they're getting married. You know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah, so, absolutely. No, you're just 100%. Make, make sure you practice safe sex. Yeah, absolutely. And today's um, mother says, which I I almost forgot to say it, but today's mother says is, this is going to be the year. So dust off your shit kickers and let's get started. That's how you have to think every day. That's it. This is going to be the year. This is my year. I'm going to get it done. We're going to make it happen. So dust off your shit kickers. Let's get it started. And Seth Tough brother Seth and I say thank you for listening to the show. We'll be back next week with, oh my God, I'm going to tell you now because I normally don't Mm. because I want them to check in, but I want to tell you who's here. We have Heather the Heat Hardy. I'm just, I'm too excited about it. I could not. I'm a little nervous. She'll kick my, she'll kick my ass. She will. And I've asked her to. Oh, nice. Everybody have a great week. Oh, one other thing. Uh, With your mother says, I'm going to record that on a loop. And just like play it over and over again so it sinks in. It'll sink in. I'll yeah. say it to you every time I see it. Right. Thank you. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon.